Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast at For All Our Kids. You are listening to the revised tales of Vikram and Betal. But before we go to the story, have you been reading more books? What's your favorite genre? Do you like mysteries, comedies, fairy tales, or informational books? And for those of you who like fairy tales, which fairy tale do you like the most? I've always liked fairy tales with animals. My favorites are the Bremen Town Musicians and the Wolf and the Seven Goat Kids. What's yours? Write to us to podcast at forallourkids.com. That is podcast at forallourkids.com. And let us know your favorite fairy tale and why you like it. And now to the story. Ambition. King Vikramaditya's long trek to his destination was almost over, for the corpse swung back and forth on the people tree right in front of him. He knew the corpse couldn't see him. Why then did he feel its eyes boring into him? Vikrama shook his fancies away. The biggest challenge for me here is not to let my fears take over. That's what the Betal wants. I cannot let it take over my mind, he warned himself. But you wouldn't have known that by looking at him. His face as calm as ever, Vikrama reached out and grabbed the corpse with the vampire, slung it on his shoulder and started on his return journey. The vampire broke the silence again. Okay. I do not know why you have taken up such a dangerous task. Perhaps it is because, as a king, you are ambitious. But beware, sometimes ambition can be dangerous. Listen to my story and you will know what I mean. All her life, Sheila had wanted to be something or somebody. It wasn't just money. She wanted power, too. In her childhood fantasies, people stopped to point and whisper, Look, that's Sheila. She's very, very powerful. But Sheila found her reality very different. She wasn't rich. She didn't have any particular talent. Nor did she have any famous relatives. Their village was too small for an ambitious young woman like her. So when her parents died, Sheila sold all her belongings and moved to the neighboring town. In the new town, Sheila hired a companion, another woman who went with her everywhere. Sheila and the other woman dressed up nicely and went about town. When they went shopping, The other customers were impressed by the way these two women carried themselves. The shopkeepers were eager to serve Sheila. Wherever she went, Sheila wore her beautiful clothes and people began to notice her. No one knew where she was from, but there were rumors. 
Sheila sent her companion to find out about the wealthy merchants in that town. When the woman came back with the information, Sheila sent her out again. This time, the woman went to one particular merchant's house and knocked. The merchant was from one of the wealthiest and most powerful families in town. The family invited her to tea, and as they sat chatting, the companion said, Sir, I hear you're looking for a bride for your son. My mistress is young and not yet married. Why don't you consider her as a match for your son? The merchant was too polite to show his surprise, but answered anyway. Thank you for bringing the offer. I've heard that she is charming and possibly rich. But you see, I don't know anything about your mistress. On the other hand, there are many young women in town whose families are known to us. We have known these young people from their childhood, and our son will probably want to marry someone he knows better. The companion thought that it was a reasonable answer and told her mistress so. But Sheila felt dejected. She paced up and down the room, for she was worried. There was very little money left. She didn't have a job. Where was the money going to come from? Should she go back to her village? She'd have to be ordinary Sheila, though. Was she ready for that? Sheila went for a long walk, kicking stones in frustration. One stone flew afar. And then, clink! There came the sound of a bottle breaking. Sheila blinked and blinked again, for in front of her, a grey mist rose up, swirled and took form. Something powerful stood in front of her, smiling a wicked smile. But Sheila didn't know whether she should stay and smile or if she should drop everything and run. I have been in that glass cage for a thousand years and never expected to be freed. Not by a human. Thank you. I would like to do something for you in return. What would you like? Tell me your heart's desire. The spirit stretched on so many sides that it looked like a jasmine flower with its arms outstretched like petals. Sheila gulped. But she was a risk-taker. What do I have to lose? It seems to be a friendly spirit, even though you wouldn't think that from looking at it. There is this merchant in town who has... Sheila told the spirit the whole story about the merchant. Oh, that kind of action is right up my alley. The spirit dropped two misty arms in glee. Here's what I'll do. I'll find this merchant's son and possess him. No one will be able to release me. But you come along and offer your services to cure the son. When they let you in, Go close to the sun and whisper this spell.
Spirit, spirit, it is me. It's time, it's time for you to flee. When I hear the spell, I'll know that it is you, and I'll leave the young man's body. The merchant is bound to reward you handsomely. But beware, this is a favor I do for you only this once. I can't answer what may happen if you try it again. Remember that Sheila was a risk taker? She decided to stay in town and see what was to come. Sure enough, the town was rife with rumors about the merchant's son. It seems the spirit had possessed him. He spoke with a chilling voice. He picked up carts and carriages with one hand. He gobbled up a feast set for ten people. Sheila bided her time as story after story emerged. She had to wait until the merchant lost all hope. The air was thick with fear as elders forced their young people to stay indoors after dusk. After about a month, Sheila went to see the merchant. Sir, I have some skill in helping people possessed by spirits. I'd like your permission to treat your son. The merchant wasn't too sure, but the other family members were desperate. What harm can it do? No one else has been able to help him, they said. So the merchant invited Sheila to his house. Sheila took out her notebook and followed the merchant's son for a couple of days. Now and then, she took notes. When the merchant's wife asked to see the notes, she saw that the page was filled with strange squiggles and markings. Oh, my guru taught me how to exercise ghosts. I had to study a lot for this training. It's really in the language he taught me. Sheila explained it away. Everyone was impressed. A week later, Sheila said that she was ready. And they brought her to the son's room. She put out her hand and the merchant's son held his hand out to her. Gasps escaped from everyone present there. Then Sheila mumbled some mantras and sprinkled water on him. She bent low and whispered in his ear so that no one else could hear. Spirit, spirit, it is me. It's time. It's time for you to flee. Ah! screamed the crowd. From the merchant's sun rose a swirling mist, thin as a thread, that became thick as a banyan tree's trunk. The mist rose and rose and rose all the way up to the top of the coconut tree before it disappeared. The merchant's son rubbed his eyes and looked around him. What happened? Why are you all sitting around me? And who is this? He pointed to Sheila. You can imagine how everyone felt then, so I won't describe it to you. People treated Sheila differently now. They wanted to know more about her and her family. When she told them that her parents were no more, the merchant's wife talked to her husband. Why don't we get our son married to Sheila? 
After all, we know this young woman well. She is so intelligent and brave. The merchant's son, too, was curious, and he spent some time with Sheila. Soon, the two were married. Sheila hadn't forgotten her ambitions. She showed an interest in their business and started to work with her husband and father-in-law. People around the town began to notice her as she was a good organizer. A few years passed. One day, when Sheila was walking to the market, a young sadhu approached her. Mom, he said, I was there when you exorcised the spirit from your husband's body. I have a request for you. A spirit has possessed the little princess, and no one can rescue her. I have a feeling that it is the same spirit. Please, can you share the mantras I must say to free her from the spirit? Feeling generous, Sheila told him that it would take too long to learn all the notes, but he should try to say one particular mantra that she would teach him. I believe that it would work to say just the mantra, she said. And then she whispered in his ear, Spirit, spirit, it is me. It's time, it's time for you to flee. The sadhu thanked her and went on his way. Sheila hurried home to share the news about the princess. Then a nagging doubt entered her mind. Wait, wouldn't the king reward the person who cured his daughter? Oh no, what had she done? The sadhu would collect the reward. If she had got the reward, she could be powerful. She may even have got a job at the court. Oh! Her shoulders fell, her face was drawn. Sheila had forgotten the spirit's warning not to exercise it after the first time. That night, Sheila tossed and turned in bed. Spirit, spirit, it is me. It's time, it's time for you to flee. The spell echoed in her head. When she woke up, Sheila had a plan. She told her husband that she was going to her village. But instead, the coachman took her to the capital city. They made their way to the palace, and Sheila told the palace guards that she had come to cure the princess. The coachman described how she had saved her husband from the evil spirit. When word reached the king, he asked Sheila to see his child. The princess's room was a mess. Trays of food littered the room, and there was a pile of clothes in the middle. Sheila looked around for the princess. Ha ha, ha ha, ha. She turned towards the voice, and the princess was sitting on top of the cupboard, her legs dangling. Oh, yes, this was the same spirit that had possessed her husband. Sheila was pleased with herself. It was going to be so easy to earn that reward from the king. She must try to find a job at the court. If not for her, at least for her husband. Or perhaps they could buy and sell things for the palace. Hmm. Ah ha ha ha. 
the princess's laughter halted Sheila's daydreams. Leave me with the princess, Sheila declared. Alone with the princess, she called out to the spirit. Spirit, we have met before. Come down, for I have something to share with you. The princess stared down at her. Something niggled in the corner of Sheila's mind. But ambition had blinded her. So when the princess jumped down from the cupboard, she walked up to the child, bent low, and whispered, Spirit, spirit, it is me. It's time, it's time for you to flee. Amma! The princess's cry brought people rushing into the room. What did they see? The princess, looking scared, and a bouncy, giggling Sheila. I warned you. <laughs> you didn't listen. <laughs> Sheila hopped from furniture to furniture, laughing and talking to herself. Oh, the brave woman. She has sacrificed herself for the princess. The people started praising Sheila. For indeed, the spirit had left the princess and entered Sheila's body. The king was overjoyed to see his daughter free, and in awe that someone had sacrificed so much for his child. Little did he know the real reason behind Sheila's presence there. When all this commotion was happening, who should walk in but the sadhu who had spoken to Sheila earlier? He looked at Sheila and instantly knew why she had come there. Your Majesty, may I be of some help? he asked. Well, I was going to ask my court physician to take good care of this young woman. But do you think you can help her? What if the same spirit possesses you? the king asked him in return. Oh, I think I will be safe, said the sadhu. Several bodyguards helped bring Sheila to the sadhu, who whispered the mantra in Sheila's ear. Spirits, spirits, it is me. It's time. It's time for both of you to flee. And like that, Sheila's eyes cleared. She looked around, saw the princess, the king, and then the sadhu. Bring the reward, called the king. A courtier brought two heavy bags filled with coins. Sheila couldn't meet the sadhu's eyes. She pointed the courtier towards the sadhu and said, It is really his reward. The sadhu laughed. I'm a sadhu. What will I do with all this money? You should take it. Sheila refused to take the money. Your Majesty, please give the money away to help the poor who are ill. The king was mystified, but he thought that Sheila was a courageous, patriotic, and kind woman. Sheila went home to her husband, and together they worked hard to expand their business even more than before. The vampire nudged King Vikramaditya. Well, king, what a puzzle Sheila was. After speeding to the princess's side to cure her, why did Sheila refuse the reward? 
Why didn't she try to get a job at the court? That had been her ambition all along. Why did the spirit possess Sheila, but not the sadhu? And what did the sadhu mean when he said both spirits have to flee? Where did the second spirit come from? If you know the answer to my questions, you better share them. Or else, you can say goodbye to your head, for it will be in smithereens. Vikram was ready. Sheila refused the reward because she felt ashamed. She had a good life. Her ambition had blinded her to danger and made her greedy. Instead of working hard to expand her business, she wanted to take a shortcut to be richer and more powerful. That's why she raced to the palace to cure the princess, even though the sadhu said he was going there. She had also forgotten the spirit's warning that the spell would work only that once when she freed the merchant's son. That is why the spirit entered her body after leaving the princess. But the sadhu was different. There was no pleasure in possessing him because the sadhu was a man of God, without earthly desires. When the sadhu said it's time for both of you to flee, he meant the evil spirit and Sheila's greed. For greed can bring a lot of evil to the person and those around them. And both the evil spirits did leave Sheila because she recognized her actions were wrong. As soon as Vikrama ended his answer, the betal in the corpse flew away. This is the end of today's story. I have a question for you. Have you ever acted like Sheila? Snuck up before someone else could get a share of something? You probably have, just like everyone else on earth. The fact is, my friends, we are all capable of doing good and bad things. What we need to develop, though, is the ability to stop and think. Should I be doing this? I did this once. It wasn't nice. How will my actions affect others? How will it affect me? It is not about being perfect human beings because there are none. It's more that we should think about what we're about to do and make choices that are less harmful to ourselves and others around us. That's all for now. Come back next week. Until then, goodbye from all of us at For All Our Kids. Thank you.